Welcome in, and here are your fantasy junkies, John Overby, Stephen Gilbert, and Frank Scott. That are the fantasy junkies. The person who is speaking now is the aforementioned John. So let's hear what you sound like, Stephen. This is Stephen. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and Frank the Tank is here as well. Let's hear from you, too. I'm pumped up. It's fantasy football time. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to have a, a great show today, um, but w- what we're going to start off with is I think our email, line, our email line has officially become a hotbed of questions because we have our second question coming in from a listener. woo <laughs> So this one is from Jimmy R. in Missoula, Montana. All right. And he writes, hey, junkies, do you take strength of schedule into consideration when drafting? I just saw a chart that uses players from the current defenses as a guide rather than points allowed last year, and I wanted to know if I should take this seriously or not. Thanks. So, guys, let's help Jimmy out. Is strength of schedule something you take into consideration when drafting? And we'll start with you, Frank. Well, I've been doing this for, uh, I think, 20... Man, I can't even remember how many years I've done fantasy, (laughs) but I've done it a long time. And I very rarely look at scheduling. Maybe quarterback I may look at a little bit. But I just try to draft the best team. And sometimes I will try to, if I got depth at positions, I may move things. But sometimes it backfires. Like last year, I tried to set Julio Jones against a good defense. And he went out in the playoffs and had a big, big game. So I really don't try to do that. And, um, Last year, pretty successful. Went to two Super Bowls, won one of them, and won $100 in another league. So um, I don't really concentrate a whole, whole lot on scheduling. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, it's not really something that I pay a lot of attention to. Um, I think you can actually get yourself into a bit of trouble if you take opposing defenses too seriously. Um, one, one situation I'll tell you guys about, which is highly embarrassing for me personally, Um Last year, you guys know Todd Gurley finishes the RB1. I had him in my league, um, and it was a keeper league with no real penalties for keeping players, right? So I could have kept him his entire career at no penalty. Um, But I traded him a few games into the season because I looked ahead and I saw, oh, he's got like five tough defenses in a row coming up. (laughs) He's at his high right now. I'll sell him at his peak and I'll get something great. I traded him for A.J. Green. Not a good deal, I admit, but at least he's a good player back. But then Todd Gurley ran rough shots straight through those defenses just like he'd done previously. So I think it's something that's really hard to predict. Uh, Defenses have injuries just like offenses do, so you never know exactly what it's going to look like uh, whenever the game actually shows up. Uh, The only time I would take uh, strength of schedule into account is if I'm in a situation where I'm streaming, if I'm streaming a quarterback or a tight end, uh, because last year if you did that at tight end and you just played whatever tight end was going against the Bronco, or not the Bronco, sorry, the Browns or the Giants, um, you scored a touchdown every single week. So that kind of makes sense to me. But taking it too much into consideration, I think, can get you in trouble. Right. Strength, uh, I think we're going to sweep this this question. Uh, strength of schedule isn't something that I use at the draft either, but I'm not totally opposed to it as a tiebreaker. 
Um, especially, especially if you have what is a better model than a lot of sites use, which it sounds like Jimmy does. So like using last year's points allowed is kind of just trash because it doesn't account for all the changes made in the off season. But it sounds like Jimmy's model that, that he saw, um, that would maybe be something worth using in a tie break, tiebreaker scenario. So like if you're using strength of schedule as a tiebreaker, here's what I would suggest. So take note of the first four games of the season. Don't worry about the playoff weeks because everything is going to change that deep into the season. Your team, injuries to the defense, defenses that surprise us. It's just not worth trying to project it that far into the season. But um, if, if you want to use it for those first four weeks, though, you could potentially get someone who comes out with a hot start, someone who improves their trade value. But I do want to re- reiterate that I don't use this strategy, and it should only ever even be considered – in a case where you're like absolutely torn. Um, I only kind of wanted to throw this out as a possible use for strength of schedule. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Looking at those first four games in a tiebreaker scenario only. Yeah, I was actually, I, I failed to mention that, but I'm totally on board with the, the tiebreaker mentality. If you've got two running backs, for instance, that you feel like are equals, like if, if in your mind, Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon are on the same tier, you, you expect they're about the same level of talent, but and I haven't looked at their, their defenses they're facing, so this is totally just off the top of my head. But if you see that the Jaguars are facing a much easier schedule, at least what appears to be a much easier schedule than Gordon, uh, then fine. You know, go ahead and draft Leonard over Gordon. I wouldn't fault you for that at all. But I do uh, – I would be concerned about leaning too much at strength of schedule. It's just so hard to predict. I guess, guys, I look at, too, I guess what I had my mindset on was probably more of playoff time, scheduling playoff time. I do, during the year, look at defenses, and if I have a stud running back, I'm not going to set him. But if I have – sometimes you'll have that second or third back or flex guy that you're looking to start. I do look at sorry defenses, and I will start the advantage – who has the worst defense he's going against. So um, that's probably something to look at for sure. Right. You also mentioned that you maybe look at a quarterback strength of schedule. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what makes the quarterback position different? Uh, I guess I was more leaning toward playoff time. Because oh, so you're talking about start-sit decisions. Yes, I am. Looking, and, okay. I'm not looking overall season. I never do that. Uh but I will look into – I think me and Stevens even looked into and talked about at times during fantasy season about um, what playoff team, when it comes playoff time. You know, if you got – you're playing major defenses that are top five in the league, man, you've got to take that into consideration playoff time. So it sounds like maybe what we're kind of talking about is – don't really even consider it too much during the draft, but maybe during the playoff season. Yeah. 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 I don't know that – I don't know that I'm totally on board with that either. Um, I kind of did something like that last year <laughs> where um, I traded – I traded Steven – I traded DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I can't remember, but I think they played the Jaguars twice during the playoffs. So I traded – what I thought was pretty equal value for Hopkins who had a bad playoff schedule for Evans, who I thought had a good one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that did not work out very well. And that's in the same. Because that's in the same keeper league where I can now keep DeAndre Hopkins indefinitely. Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, no, John, no you helped him out there. Good, good job. There is one more point yeah. that I want to make on this, and that's the uh, the second part of the question where he's talking about uh, looking at defenses based on the the players that are currently there as opposed to points scored last year. Um, if I read the question right, I think that there's a chance maybe he's talking about drafting team defenses. And I definitely think it's worth looking at, you know, who's on that team now and the projections for what those defenses are going to look like uh, rather than just last year because the NFL reinvents itself every single year. Defenses change, situations change. Um, But also, I would also point out that team defenses are not vitally important uh, for fantasy success. Even if you draft the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Eagles, some really high top-end defense, I wouldn't look at them until right at the end of the draft before kickers, but probably after most everything else. Because again, as I've said already, very difficult to predict. Uh, we, we never really know what a lot of these defenses are going to do, what rookies are going to step up, who's going to get hurt. It's usually you can find good streaming options for defenses as well. And part of that is I, I drafted the Jaguars defense I think in every league or almost every league I had last year. And, and I got great value from it because I did it in the, what, like the second to last round or in my auction, like a dollar. So I got them below market value, but if you're drafting before those last two rounds, you're drafting defense, you're only going to get the very top of the market. Like they have to perform at the very they have to be the number one defense to give you back what you, what round you're drafting them in. Right. So I, I would try to, yeah, get like an up and coming defense that is for. And if that don't work out, you drop them, pick up another one that, you know, and you can stream defenses, like just play a bad quarterback, whatever defense is playing the worst quarterback. Yeah, get them. absolutely right. But, uh, well, I hope we uh, answered your question there, Jimmy. Um, and thanks again for uh, sending your question. And everyone else should remember that you can send us your email at thefantasyjunkies at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also DM us on Twitter if you're not an email guy. And you can do that at fantasy. Yeah, at least junk. for right now. We're not incredibly busy on our uh, inbox. So if you send a question and it's appropriate, you can pretty well assume we're going to answer it on air. Right, guys? No doubt. One hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but, but all right, guys, uh, now that we've had our appetizer, let's Ooh. move on to our main course, our wide receiver two ranks in half point per reception leagues. So up first, we've got an oldie, but a goodie at wide receiver 13. This guy finished as the number two wide receiver in standard leagues in 2005. And that man is Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinals. So, Stephen, what's his I average just want to take position? note of how ridiculous that stat was. You just kind of bypassed there real quick. <laughs> 2005. Yeah. It's 13 years ago. So, this guy, I think he's 30, going into his age 34 season, still plugging along, still a great player. Um, he's being drafted right now as the wide receiver 16. Uh, we have him as 13th best. Uh, his ADP is right at the start of the fourth round. Uh, Frank, you're actually the highest on Fitz. Uh, you have him 10th. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I need to apologize to Larry Fitz. The last several years, I thought <laughs> this guy is getting old, and I need to not draft him. He just can't keep plugging. Guys, I'm just embarrassed at my thought here. I played fantasy a long time, and sometimes I do some stupid stuff like probably all of us do. Last three years, 109 catches, 108 catches, 109 catches. I'd say that's probably a pretty good receiver. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think he's going to continue, guys. They're going to be his go-to guys. I don't know. He's like, is he drinking from like the, I don't know. He just never thinks fountain, fountain of youth. Of youth. Yeah, he must be drinking from the fountain of youth because it don't seem like he's slowing down. Uh, almost 1,200 yards last year. And I like him. I, they're going to have to go to him. They've got J.J. Nelson, yeah. Christian Kirk. Um, but um, Plus, getting David Johnson should help. But um, he should get production for sure. Yeah, when I'm looking at Larry Fitz, I mean, I'm with you. He did have a bit of a lull uh, a few years back where he was down in like 700, 800-yard range. But then he really – I think the offense and he himself – realized how much better he can be out of the slot. And my gosh, he's amazing. I mean, you talk about the fountain of youth. I don't know about that because he clearly has slowed down. I mean, he's not the threat downfield that he used to be. You won't see him just, you know, rise up AJ Green style and rip a ball away from a defender quite the way he used to do it. Um, But Fitz is one of my favorite receivers this year, guys. I feel like if you get him as a wide receiver too, you're set in stone with great production. Um, as you said, I don't know that he's going to have a lot of competition for targets. Um, the one thing I would uh, have a bit of concern uh, is you probably can't expect too much of a touchdown upside. Uh, he only had six touchdowns each of the last two years. Um, and with David Johnson returning, we know what kind of a touchdown machine he is. Um, so we probably shouldn't expect too much more than that out of Larry. But among these, like, possession-style receivers, uh, he's getting more volume than almost all of the other ones. So I think you can, uh, assuming health, you can pretty well mark him down for somewhere 90, 100 catches and something over 1,000 yards, which is still great for the wide receiver, too. So you mentioned that lull. Does that lull have anything to do with uh, Max Hall and John Skelton? And that uh, Why, cast yes, group of quarterbacks. Wow. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's the kind of that's what it takes for Larry Fitzgerald to have a lull is Max Hall. Sure. So, but um, yeah, you guys pretty much nailed it. Here's here's what you need to know. Sam Bradford loves throwing short, loves those high percentage throws. Larry Fitzgerald has maybe the best hands in the league and has forever. And even if Bradford gets hurt, Fitzgerald has had success with quarterbacks that are worse than Josh Rosen. So I think assuming health for Fitz, it seems like he's a lock for at least wide receiver two numbers. And I think the touchdown, his ceiling for touchdowns is the only reason he's not wide receiver one consideration. Um, so he, he's maybe the safest floor of anyone in the draft. But he's catching as many touchdowns as Julio. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, yeah, I I think we we can move on from Larry. Uh, 
So I think this wide receiver show is going to be defined after Larry Fitzgerald. It's going to be defined with a bunch of people who are on new teams or having new quarterbacks throw it to him. And uh, our next guys are, are going to be uh, an example of that. So I want to take our number 14 and number 18 guys together because the discussion between the two are so intertwined. So wide receiver 14 is Adam Thielen and wide receiver 18 is Stefan Diggs teammates on the Minnesota Vikings. So Steven, Tell us where these guys uh, are Adam draft Adam Thielen, right now. Uh, guys, we have him as the wide receiver 14, as you said, Diggs at 18. Adam Thielen is being drafted as the wide receiver 11 in the, as the fourth pick in the third round. Uh, let me scroll down. Diggs, we are seeing him. Uh, well, I missed him. Diggs is getting taken a little bit after him as the wide receiver 15. Um, and his ADP is right at the end of the third round, the 12th pick. So between these two guys, uh, John, I think you're the only one who likes Diggs uh, above Thielen. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I literally had Adam Thielen in every single league I was in last year because I felt like he was a very talented wide receiver, and he was going in the ninth round. So I'm not going to have – I don't anticipate having Thielen in any leagues this year. And that's because now I believe people are overrating his talent. So at least some of the value he had last year, in my eyes, was Case Keenum's ability to extend the play and allow Thielen to kind of freelance and get open. He was one of the best in the league at that last year. I mean, you look at some of those plays, and it felt like the defender kind of forgot he was there. Or he did some kind of magic trick and just magically got unbelievable separation. But... But Keenum is gone, and he got replaced by the not-very-mobile Kirk Cousins. For me, I think Diggs is the more talented wide receiver, but he wasn't necessarily the most valuable receiver for the Vikings last year just because of how unique Keenum's game was and how Thielen you know, paired with that so well. So I think, he'll get, I think Diggs will get to show that this year, and that's why I've got Diggs rated higher than Thielen. John, well, well, you're wrong. Sorry to tell you this, but guys, if you don't have Thielen on your draftable, one of your major draftable receivers, you're going to do yourself a disservice. Do you guys realize he had more double-digit fantasy points than Larry Fitzgerald? I know he played really well. Stefan Diggs is like (laughs) hocus pocus. He disappears more than he appears. Adam Thielen, there's a reason they've got him wide receiver one on the depth chart of the Vikings. And I approve of drafting Thielen. Man, guys, he's going to be up in my charts. I just think he's going to have a better year this year. I think you're going to see more touchdown production from Thielen. And that's he had 91 catches last year. They targeted him 140 times. So, I guess I disagree with John on that. Yeah, whenever I'm breaking down these two, I think they're both viable options for sure as wide receiver twos. Uh, What gets me on Diggs a bit is that he always seems to be banged up. I mean, there's an injury history. He always seems to have some nagging problem, something slowing him down. Uh, I don't disagree, John, with you at all on the idea that Diggs is 
definitely the more athletic of the two. I mean, whenever I watch Diggs, uh, I've heard some people compare him to Antonio Brown, like just the way he moves. And I think that's kind of just blowing smoke. I mean, I don't think he's anywhere near the talent Brown is. But he, he does look right. quite a bit like a, an American. And I don't mean that as an insult. I like the way Sanders moves, too. Uh, Diggs is quick. He is athletic. He can definitely has the vertical to go up and get some tough catches. Um, but with him being banged up consistently, and I, I don't know, I've seen a little bit, at least what appears to me, a little bit of laziness from Diggs. Um, he does round off his routes a bit more than I like. He does sort of quit on routes a little bit more than I'd like. Um, Adam Thielen, and you kind of touched on this, John, it's like he's got Harry Potter's invisibility cloak out there sometime. <laughs> you know, like he, he'll go out there, and then if, if the defense is in a zone, it's like they just forget he's there. Like they, somehow he puts the cloak on, and they can't see him, and then the ball comes to him, and, oh, no, there he is, wide open again. Um, I, I don't know how he does that, but I am going to attribute it to him as a skill rather than just assuming it was luck. Um, somehow, some way, he finds his way to be completely wide open. Now, whenever he faces man coverage, um, he can still get separation and he can still um, catch passes. But against the zone, that's really where he, you know, flashes to me. Uh, as far as touchdown upside, I will agree that Diggs probably has more because of that athleticism. But Thielen's a big guy, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's legitimately fast, even if not as quick as Diggs. But I could see him upping his four touchdowns maybe to a seven or eight. And if he keeps his yardage anywhere close to where it was last year, I could see him as a backhand wide receiver one, which is actually where, where I have him at 11. Um, so I like both of these guys. I'm not opposed to either. Uh, but if you're drafting in the third round, I would definitely prefer Thielen. Right. Like I said, I, I do like Thielen's talent. Um, I just think – I think the reason he's going as a wide receiver one is – is because of his past production, which could definitely change with the, you know, how different Kirk Cousins plays than Case Keenum. Um, so I would rather take Diggs a little bit later than than Thielen where he's going right now. But I, I think they're comparable. I mean, it's it's probably one A one B. Honestly, how many thousand yard seasons have Diggs had so far? Zero. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a zero. <laughs> one one point I will throw up is that mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned Kirk Cousins not being very mobile. If I'm looking at the stats correctly, he had 342 rushing yards last year, which isn't so bad, John. Right. Well, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's more about him, you know, staying behind the line of scrimmage and and creating more time to throw the ball. Sure. He, he's he's not like Case Keenum in that sense. And you're right. He he does spread the ball around very well. I mean, we saw that in Washington. He didn't really pinpoint on one single guy. So I think both these guys will get a lot of love. I also like Kyle Rudolph to be involved quite heavily. So it it seems to be an offense that will still be moving the ball productively like they did in the past. Right. And we can pretty much guarantee it's going to be those two because, you know, Laquan Treadwell, Kendall Wright, I don't really expect them to have any – you know, any value whatsoever. If you draft Laquan Treadwell, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> All right, so let's let's follow up with another set of teammates 
that will be receiving the ball from Case Keenum this year. And that's our number wide receiver, 15, Demarius Thomas, and our wide receiver, 24, Emmanuel Sanders. So why don't you tell us where they're at in comparison to our rank, Stephen? So Demarius Thomas, we have at 15. Uh, he's being drafted as wide receiver 18 as the seventh pick of the fourth round. Frank, you actually have him right at 18, so good for you. Uh, and if we scroll down <laughs> to take a look at Diggs, I'm sorry, at Sanders, um, he, to me, is an incredible value. We have him going as the second pick of the eighth round as the wide receiver 34, um, which, John, you have him way up at 21. I have him at 25 and Frank at 26, so we all feel like he's going low there. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, drafting these two guys? So last year I think everybody can agree that Demarius had a underwhelming season, right? <laughs> like he did not uh, perform like we thought he might going into the season. That's fair. Okay, so he still had 83 catches, 949 yards, and five touchdowns. Like, that's a bad season from Demarius Thomas. And he had Trevor Simeon as his quarterback. So I think Case Keenum, who who I, I said some nice things about him in the last segment, but I, overall I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's kind of overrated. But he's much better than Trevor Simeon. So I th- I, I'm going to go with that Demarius Thomas will at least have, you know, he he could get up to 90 catches. I think he'll definitely get into the 1,000-yard range. And then five touchdowns has been kind of low for him. That's what he had last year or the past two years. But he's had three seasons of, you know, double-digit touchdowns. So so I think you're getting him at a at a great value this year because of how – how much he un- underwhelmed last year. Yeah. And and that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do in your fantasy draft. Like somebody who has upward momentum p- potential and you get them at a lower cost. Yeah, I am not. Last year I didn't even look at either one of these guys to draft for that exact reason. It was quarterback play. So I – I'm thinking too. You probably can get these guys for a good bargain because they they didn't have a great year last year. But people that are maybe not a, don't study up like they need to will not see the quarterback change. And I think these guys could. I'm with John. I think they both could really increase their production. And so I'm looking for. I may even actually look at them this year for a change. Last year, I didn't even sniff either one of them. I didn't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I think, John, you you made some really valid points um, in looking at Demarius Thomas. You know, whenever I think of court, or a wide receiver twos, the name that always pops in my head, and it's probably because he's been on my team the last few years, is Golden Tate, which <laughs> we actually don't have him on this show today, but we'll talk about him next week. But... Um, if you look at Demarius's stats from last year, as you said, 83 catches, 949 yards, five touchdowns, that sounds a lot like a Golden Tate stat line, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of right on, on par with him. And the difference being, though, Thomas, as you said, does have upside. Um, he's getting a little bit older. He's probably not as fast as he used to be. And even though I think those 
14 touchdown, 11 touchdown seasons are probably a thing of the past for him. Um, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to see it increase uh, from this, the five he had last year. So if you end up with him, I would agree with you, over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, that's looking like a high and wide receiver too. I mean, that's usually what those numbers mean. So I definitely do like Thomas. But I want to spend some time on Emmanuel Sanders here because him being drafted in the eighth round as a back-end wide receiver three, guys, that's beautiful. I'd take that all day. I would take him in the seventh round easy. Um, As I said a minute ago, he looks a lot like Stephon Diggs to me, and that's good. They can both move. They're both incredibly agile, incredible athletes, uh, great for yards after the catch. Uh, Sanders was banged up last year, so he's taken a hit as far as his uh, perception this year. But he's not a bad receiver at all. I mean, he's had 1,100 yards in the past. Uh, pro- probably not the touchdown upside of Thomas, but still a really good player. Um, if you get him as your three, I think you're doing a great job. Yeah, I just looked at my consensus That's ranks, and I've got him going That's in the fourth amazing. round in my in my ranks. Yeah, like that's where I that's where I would draft him. So, yeah, uh, I like Demarius Thomas better this year, but it might be just a, a better strategy to grab someone else and and wait on Sanders. Eighth round, second pick. Did you say the ninth round or the eighth round? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Go get go get Emmanuel Sanders for sure. Because he he might turn into the the Adam Thielen for Case Keenum because Sanders has always been someone who can get separation and and finds himself open a lot so he might he might inherit that type of you know chemistry. Yeah, with, one more point Keenum. on these two guys, and I I don't take I kind of take this with a grain of salt, but it's worth mentioning. Both of these guys are in their contract years, so entering their thirties. Looking to get paid one more time, it's easy to follow the narrative that they're going to try to have real big seasons this year. I don't really love drafting a guy because of that. It's burned me in the past. Uh, I like to think these guys are always motivated, even if it's by money. I mean, you'll get paid eventually if you play well now. So um, I don't love that as a reason to draft somebody, but it is maybe worth at least mentioning. Right. Yeah, I don't really pay attention to that either, especially in the NFL where it seems like every year people try to hold out and get better contracts anyway. So I think it's uh, like a contract year in the NFL. But uh, that wasn't <laughs> directed at anyone in particular. Especially <laughs> also finishes the wide receiver one so. this year. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on to uh, number sixteen in our ranks, and that that is Chicago Bear wide receiver Allen Robinson. So we have him as the wide so receiver where, sixteen. Going, uh, John, you're the highest. You've got him at twelve. Uh, he's being drafted as the wide receiver twenty, as the ninth pick of the fourth round. This to me is an upside play. You know, we don't know exactly what we'll get from Robinson. We don't know exactly what that Bears offense is going to look like, but he is the most talented. We've seen him several years ago, and I have to say several now. It's been three years. We saw him put up 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Those are not numbers that just anybody can put up. 
And he did that with Blake Bortles. So that's, you know, hand claps all around. But then the following year, uh, sometimes people want to forget that with the same number of targets, uh, 151 both seasons, uh, the second season he only finished with 883 yards and six touchdowns. Now, I do think that the terrible quarterback play of Bortles has a lot to do with that. Um, But what do you guys think? I mean, what is the upside for Robinson? Well, with as you can tell with my rank, uh, I think he's got wide receiver one upside. Um, I don't completely buy into the bear renaissance. You know, they're going to be the this year's Los Angeles Rams, that kind of narrative that's been going around. But Allen Robinson, I think, is a very, very talented receiver. Um, and honestly, I don't think there's a ton of high upside receivers this year. Like when I got to 12 in my ranks, I was like, <laughs> Who, who am I going to put here? <laughs> so it, it's partly that I think Allen Robinson is so talented. Um, he, he's clearly the best wide receiver for the Bears. Um, but it's also partly just because I think wide receiver isn't that deep this year. So Robinson's definitely a high-risk, high-reward guy because he is coming off an injury. Um, you know, played one game last year. So, so you hope that he comes back full health, but you don't know that. So, yeah, I've got him at number 12, and I, I'm a little bit scared of it, but I just well, don't think wide receiver depth this year. Wide receiver depth is scary to me because it's so top-heavy. This, yeah, with the injury coming off, yeah, he's definitely. going to the Bears. What's his quarterback going to be like? That's the question. <laughs> What's his quarterback going to do? You could draft him, though, and I'm assuming he's probably going to drop a little bit for number one, being on an offense that nobody really knows what their potential is. He's coming off an injury, so it could actually be a – I guess that would be a – to me, you're looking at a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. So – but definitely worth a look at age 24 and with his talent should be interesting. Uh, What do you guys think as far as, is he, you think a wide receiver three at this point? Um, Well, he's being drafted as a wide receiver too, sort of the tail end of that. I have him ranked 16th. So I have him more of a higher end wide receiver too. Yeah. Uh, I would agree that he does have potential to be a one. I mean, he clearly has that in his game. He's 6'3", 211 pounds. He's one of those rare guys who moves like he's a smaller guy. That's a great, you know, attribute for a bigger receiver. Uh, he's smooth. I mean, he's so good on his routes. I loved his his uh, his tape from the year that he put, up, put on a show for us. Um, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. I think he could potentially finish as a top five wide receiver. But then again, with so many weapons coming in here, the question marks at quarterback, we don't know exactly how Nagy's going to run this offense. It could actually become the Jordan Howard show. I don't know why no one seems to see that as, as a possibility. So with so many weapons in the passing game, I think he his target share could dro- drop some. That's why I have him backed off a little bit at 16. Just, But I feel like he is safe. 
I mean, if he stays healthy, I think he'll have a safe floor as a as a probably a back end too. But he does have some upside that for sure. So I like Allen Robinson a lot. Guys, I want you to comment on this right quick. I just want to bring this point up because I did mention about having a high risk, high reward. I think what happens in a lot of times in fantasy is what can send you over the top in your league is taking some risks like an Allen Robinson. Because then if he turns out, you've already got a receiver one, and he turns out to be a receiver one, then you've kind of leave one up your league. Right. And and you're, it sounds like you're taking him in the fourth round. So you're not taking a high-risk, right. high-reward guy in those first few rounds. You, you can get yourself a little stability, you know, up top, and then be like, well, you know, Let's take this chance yeah, on Robinson. The way I would look at this, guys, is so if I, in those first couple rounds I already have some good wide receiver depth, maybe I get an Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins, and then as my two or maybe even three, I see Allen Robinson there, and I, I think, you know, he could be a second wide receiver one for me, then I'd absolutely pull the trigger on that. But – if you're a team who has waited on receiver and you get to the fourth round and don't have one yet at all, I would not grab Robinson as my one. The reason being is he does have more risk than some of these other guys. You could get a Demarius Thomas who you know is going to produce um, because you don't want to end up four rounds in and not having any quality receivers. So to me, it's like more of a luxury than a crutch. You know what I mean? You don't want to, expect him that he has to be the one but then if you have him as your two or your three and he does become a one then you're in great shape does that make sense right so what what if you start off your draft you you know you've got three solid running backs so you said you don't want him to expect him to be your one so so would you take a safer – like who's a safer guy you would take? Uh, yeah, in that range, I mean, you're probably – let me see if I can bring it up. I mean, Alshon Jeffries probably still there. Um, he's pretty safe. Demarius Thomas, if he's still there, is pretty safe. People would maybe attack me for this, but Brandon Cooks isn't a bad play. He's always 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, that's just me personally. I mean, if you want to roll the dice and, and go with the guy, uh, I wouldn't blame you. But personally, I would look elsewhere for my number one if I've waited on receiver. And, Stephen, you know what you just named? Guys that have established quarterbacks that's done it. That's that's fair. Right. Um, the, the one thing I would say about Mitch Trubisky, you know, we should all be worried about Mr. Trubisky after what we saw last year. But what what I like is that Allen Robinson has done it with Blake Bortles. Like the 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, that's not the result of great quarterback play. That's a result of Allen Robinson being oh. Allen Robinson. The, the, the flip side of that is the next year, Blake Bortles, same amount of targets, not a very good year. So – I think it goes into our risk. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really know what got into the Jacksonville so. water that year because if you guys remember, Alan Hearns also had a thousand yards and ten touchdowns that year, and none of us are really, you know, beating our chest about how good right. he is. Now, I, I'm with you. Robinson's a tremendous talent. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, if if you can get him as your two, I think you're doing pretty well. I wouldn't trust him higher than that myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right. Well, we'll go ahead and move on. Um, so you mentioned our number 17 guy in the in the uh, discussion of who you think would be like a safer wide receiver one, and that's Alshon Jeffrey of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's our ne- number 17 yeah, guy. Yeah, so where's he going to draft right now? He's safer as long as he stays healthy. That's been that's been Alshon Jeffrey's big knock forever. <laughs> right. He's soft tissue injuries. He's I think he's injured right now, if I'm not mistaken. But um, we have him at 17, and actually, we're all incredibly close on his ranking. I have him at 17. John at 18, Frank at 19, so we all have similar opinions. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 21 uh, as the first pick of the fifth round. <coughs> right, so so I would disagree a little bit going back to the Alshon Jeffrey is a, is, has a safer floor than, than Allen Robinson. Uh I was just looking at some of his game logs last year. Uh, he didn't top 100 yards once. Um, I'm not seeing this. Did he, did he miss? He played any 16 games, last games year? and only finished with 57 catches, 40, 47% catch yeah, rate. Seven, yeah, 789 seven. yards. Yeah. He did have nine touchdowns, which is nice. Uh, it didn't really seem to matter if it was Carson Wentz or Nick Foles. I mean, he didn't have any huge games at all. Uh, he had a two-touchdown game, and that, that would probably be, you know, kind of his – if you wanted a big game from Alshon Jeffrey, that would be how he has to do it. So so what makes – what do you think makes him safer than than a guy like Allen Robinson? Uh, my first Just answer would be the quarterback. I love Carson Wentz. I think he's – yeah, I think, a, I think he's going to be, <laughs> you know, healthy again this yeah. year. Now, Alshon, again, he's burnt me in the past. He gets hurt a lot. I actually made fun of you guys last year. You traded – one of you traded Carlos Hyde to the other for Alshon Jeffrey, and I made a joke that they're both going to be on IR in a couple weeks. They they, they actually did well, so it worked out <laughs> for both of you guys. But you're right. I mean, he didn't perform yeah. great statistically last year aside from the nine touchdowns. But I feel like with another year in the system, um, he, I think we can expect those numbers to rise up. Um, Zach Ertz, obviously, is a focal point of the offense. They they use who knows how many running backs they're going to throw out there. They like to spread the ball around a lot. Darren Sproles is back. But Alshon Jeffrey is a tremendous talent, guys. I mean, I loved him back in his South Carolina days. He's a big guy. He's athletic. He He's incredibly talented if he's healthy. So I think um, – he also has a chance to really perform well as a wide receiver, too. Um, much to your point, John, he may not finish uh, as a wide receiver one. I would actually say his chances of doing that are lower than uh, than Robinson. But I think, I think his chances of finishing as yeah. at least a wide receiver two are higher. Well, I can comment on Alshon because I traded for him last year. <laughs> and I can tell you what I liked about him, consistency. He hit double-digit fantasy points like seven times last year. And you're saying he didn't have many 100-yard game, but it helps when – if you're a fantasy player and you're getting a guy catching 60, 70 yards and a touchdown, I'm completely satisfied if he's not my 
top receiver. And I had Mike Evans too, and I take Alshon all day long over him last year. He was a lot more consistent. So I'm with Steven. I love his quarterback. And, but I don't see him as far if you're wanting a guy to, I don't see him getting double digit touchdowns. Uh, I know he got close last year, but um, as they spread the ball around in their offense, but he is going to be consistent. If you want a consistent fantasy guy that's going to give you 10 points, 11 points a week, then he's your guy. Right. I think, I think maybe the, the disparity between me and you guys is I don't want Alshon Jeffrey as my wide receiver one. So what I would do is I would take Allen Robinson in the fourth round as my wide receiver one for the chance. I'd rather have the chance of becoming wide receiver one than having a wide receiver two as my wide receiver one, if that makes sense. Like I, I want to, I want that chance that I get, get the guy in the fourth round that can be right. No, yeah, I totally get it. And we're talking about disparity. What we're really talking about is a different strategy, a different mindset, because you've got him ranked one spot below me. And, you know, what? Actually, one spot. Yeah, yeah, one spot ahead of Frank. So it's not like we're actually that off on Jeffrey. It's just a a different idea of how we would um, go about drafting. And one of the reasons for my mindset, and this actually leads into our next guy is that last year I had Amari Cooper as my one. And remember, I I took him thinking, hey, he has that chance to be my one. And then I got really burned by that because he didn't live up to it. So maybe I'm putting Amari Cooper's sins on Allen Robinson too much. But, um, (laughs) yeah, looking over here at Cooper, um, we have him consensus as the wide receiver 19. Uh, He's being drafted as the 17, which – Seems alarmingly high to me uh, as the fifth pick of the fourth round. Frank, you are right with where he's being drafted at 17. Me and John have him back at 22. So what do you, what do you think about Cooper? Why are you willing to take him there? Well, I like him because of his skill level. I know he's been – Stephen, as you very well know, he's had <laughs> some struggles um, catching the ball and – when you begin to break down his numbers from last year, they're not very impressive. But I think the Raiders as a whole had a down year. And I know they've got the old man's game going at the Oakland Raiders right now. Uh, or Las Vegas Raiders. You've got Jordy, Martavius Bryant. I guess they're trying to add some pieces there. I like Amari Cooper. His touchdowns last year, he had seven touchdowns last year. So I guess... Um, that's a bright spot, but I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, when you have one game, if you got a guy that's caught for one game for 210 yards and two touchdowns, I guess to me, his thing's going to have to be consistency. Yeah, I think that's, that's it with Amari Cooper. I think why he's going so high is because that he he's so young, and he's shown that he can take over a game. Like last year against Kansas City, and you know Week Seven, where he had the eleven catches, the two hundred and ten yards, and the two touchdowns. Like that's not something that every player can do, and he did that. And he's had a a good fantasy season. You know, the year before, 
actually both years were were pretty good that he'd been in the league, you know, had a thousand yards in both seasons, at least five touchdowns. So I think that's where you're getting the, you know, he's going number yeah, 17. 17. Is that right? Yeah. So there's, there's upside there. I don't necessarily know that he's ever going to reach that upside. He's going to be one of those guys um, like a Devonte Parker, even though Cooper's better than Parker every year. It's like, well, Parker's going to put it together this year. Nope. You know, so he, he's shown, he's shown more flashes than, than a guy like Parker. So, and it's, Every season, it, it has felt like he's left something on the table, even when he's done really well. Yeah, with Cooper, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we should just apologize to Allen Robinson for calling him high risk, high reward, because Cooper Cooper's the definition of that, guys. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, how many rookie receivers can walk straight in, get 72 catches, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns? I mean, we, we can get spoiled with Michael Thomas and Odell Beckham and a couple of these guys. But it's incredibly rare, right? And in the following year, he upped it to 83 catches, 1,153 yards. Touchdowns dropped to five. Okay. And then last year happens, and it just – you got to wonder, because I watched this guy play, and, man, he's so good. I mean, I love Devontae Adams, but Amari Cooper looks to me like he should be a faster Devontae Adams, doesn't he? I mean, he looks incredibly talented, but he really does struggle with the drops. It seems like something might be going on in his head. I mean, it's just, he worries me so much. And I need to try. Oh, you guys got to help me. I need I need to try to not just leave him <laughs> off my board. Because he is incredibly talented, and the upside's still there. Um, I look at this Raiders offense with actually more skepticism than I do the Bears. I don't know what we're going to see out of this. I don't know if he's going to be the focal point. I don't know if Jordy's actually still got some game. I don't know if they're just going to try to run every time. I do assume Cooper's going to be the number one as far as targets. But if he's going, you know, early, mid, uh, fourth round, I feel like there's a lot of good players still available there. I'm probably going to stay away from Cooper. Uh, Historic upside aside, uh, I just don't know that he's worth the risk for me. Hey, guys, got something to bring to your attention. See what you think, if this may change his value. Amari, or Amari Cooper, you've got Jordy, who Coach Gruden says he's going to put on the outside, and Matavius Bryant's going to be put on the outside, and they're going to move Cooper to the slot. So this could help him. That could boost his numbers. I guess it's possible if that happens, but how long is Bryant going to actually be on the outside? The guy, the guy's not a good wide receiver. I mean, he's a big play every so often and then incredibly inconsistent after that. I, I, I'm not really going to factor in Martavis too much into what I think of, of Cooper. I mean, yeah, moving him around the formation, I'm for that. I mean, that's what creative offensive coaches do. So I'm, I'm all for moving him around. Um, this sounds like it's just a straight move to the slot, though. This, from what it sounds like when Gruden's saying is, it's just going to be a move to the slot and not moving him around. Yeah, and that probably you should. Know, who knows? Maybe it'll add a few more catches, or maybe he'll just drop ten extra passes. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> Steven loves Amari Cooper. He's so good, man. <laughs> to watch, he's so good. He just, he just can't do it. You can't trust it. It's like it's like looking at a BMW and not realizing there's no engine in it or something like that. Like, it just looks beautiful, and then there's no giddy-up. There's no power. I don't know. I don't trust it, especially in the fourth round. Maybe if he was a little bit later, I would trust it. I thought there would be more of a backlash coming off of last season, but I still see him getting drafted pretty high. So I'm probably gonna, I'm probably going to be mostly hands off. Well, I think it's mostly because what we talked about earlier is the wide receiver depth is just like yeah, it's it's not there. So it's like, well, I guess I'll take a young, talented guy and hope he's <laughs> can stop dropping the ball. You know, <laughs> like well, that, that's where we're at. That right makes now, sense, I guess. But like our next guy on our list is—is is he not stable? Is he not solid? Maybe not week to week, but year to year, right? I've got a, a tie Oh, you're right. Next. I was looking Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I forgot about the other guy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I should <laughs> just look at the other guy. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good uh, – so so we'll, we'll go ahead and take them as a unit because they're kind of similar players in a okay. sense. Um, but that Brandon Cooks with the Los Angeles Rams and Josh Gordon well, with the Cleveland Browns. So why don't yeah, you I'm gonna let tell my us where, where they're be going pretty quick. I have Brandon Cooks, I think, 10 spots higher than I have Josh Gordon. Um, but Josh Gordon is actually being drafted as the sixth pick of the third round as the wide receiver 12, which blows my mind. You guys have a lot of faith in, in Gordon. Uh, Brandon Cooks is being drafted back as the wide receiver 23 uh, ADP of – uh, round five, pick four. So if to me personally, if I can wait two extra rounds, I'm absolutely going to take Cooks over Gordon. Right. Go ahead and well, uh, take that, Frank. Josh Gordon, extremely talented. I wonder about his brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I wonder about his mindset for sure. I often wonder about the Super Bowl-bound uh, Cleveland Brown team this year. That's uh, <laughs> being promoted right now that they're headed to the Super Bowl. Uh, Ain't no way. <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed, guys, in Brandon Cooks last year. I just thought he would just be great. But I think in a new system, maybe – the Patriots just love the spread of the round so much. It almost kills you in fantasy, except for their tight end play. I think I'm going to take Brandon. I don't know. Did you say I had Gordon over Brandon Cooks? You have them. You have them neck and neck. I, I'm well in Cooks' favor. John is well on Gordon's side. Uh, Frank, you have Cooks at 23 and Gordon at 24. Yeah, I think I'm going to. I think I'd take Cooks just because I think he's more stable. Got it. Of course, I know we we said we wasn't dealing in contracts, but that can always make you a happier person. Uh, I like his quarterback better. I like his situation better. If I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go Cooks at this point. Right. So, so that is something interesting. You you talked about Frank is. 
So the Rams traded for Cooks, and then they gave him a big contract extension. Does that hold any water with you guys? Like I've I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's definitely makes him the number one or something to that effect. For me, that doesn't. That just means when you trade for Brandon Cooks, it was almost expected for me that he's going to sign an extension. Because why are you giving away that capital to to get a guy like Cooks? So that was just like an expected move for me, but it doesn't move him up any in my rankings of what I think the Rams think of him. No, to, for me, Cooks is, at least on my list, Cooks is the number one receiver on the Rams because he's the best player, not because he's getting paid the most money. I, I think that's a bit overblown. I'm with you. I mean, as soon as they gave up a first-round pick, he's entering the last year of his deal. They're not going to give up a first-round pick and then let this guy walk. They were going to pay him, so absolutely right. Well, but this guy's last three years, right. he's not had under 1,000 yards. He's also not had under seven touchdowns, and he's never finished below wide receiver 15 in PPR. Yeah. What What has Josh Gordon done in the last three years, John? <laughs> it's been, That's he, not he, fair. what he's been doing. I think it is fair. Why don't you answer the question? <laughs> okay, it might be fair. What's he um, done, John? <laughs> Gordon. So... I have always had a <laughs> a weakness for Josh Gordon. Um, as you guys remember, the um, – How many games did he play in the last – man. In the last four years, <laughs> five years. He played five games last year. Yeah, and before that it was five games in 2014. <laughs> so we're going all the way back to 2013. Um, and that's, that's where he really stormed into the, the league. You know, 87 catches, 1,646 yards, nine touchdowns. I do not think he's going to get <laughs> that kind of production again. And that was in 14 games. Um, I, j- I really do like Gordon as a talent. Um, these wide receiver ranks were before he took a leave of absence for training camp, which scares me a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's a good chance Gordon's coming down in my ranks. Um I would say it, it, this is similar to the Allen Robinson situation, which I'm lower on Gordon than Robinson. I think Gordon has the chance to finish as a wide receiver one because of his talent, um, but I would be the first to admit there's huge risk and reward there. More risk than so, reward. <laughs> hey, y'all remember Potentially, what makes yeah. me think about this guy here? Do y'all remember when you were in school and when you would go to the lunchroom? I don't know if y'all remember this, but they used to put on the back of the milk, they used to put kids that were missing. I remember. Maybe they <laughs> need to put Josh Gordon on a chocolate milk. Now, Frank, he's back. <laughs> he's back. They found him. <laughs> well, he's gone now again <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> So I feel like now is a good opportunity for me to go ahead and apologize to Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper because <laughs> this guy now, of course, takes the cake as highest risk, highest reward. Um, John, I, I don't know if you remember, in 2013, I beat you in a championship game uh, with Josh Gordon leading my because, team. So, yeah. Oh, you're oh, that's probably why you love him because you lost. 
But look, I, yeah, I, I, it I'm is. with you, right? I mean, who was always the guy right there with you trying to pick him up in the offseason, trying to pick him up before the season ended so we'd have him on our roster just in case he came back? I was right there with you. But coming back last year, he did look fine. I mean, if you extrapolate his five-game sample uh, to a 15-game season, which I just did it that way because the math's easier, he would have had 54 catches, 1,005 yards, and three touchdowns. I would say he's on. He could easily score more touchdowns than that, but this guy's a physical right. freak. I mean, you guys have already talked about it. He's incredibly talented. Now he's not like a good route runner. He's not got the best hands in the world, but he's so big. It's like watching Andre the Giant wrestle. You're not going to see a lot of technician like ability on the mat, right? He's just going to stand up and club somebody. And yes, my wrestling references are incredibly dated. I haven't watched them since <laughs> the early nineties. But, but, you know, he doesn't have a lot of finesse, but, man, that power is something else. Um, where he's being drafted is wide receiver 12. That tells me I'm not going to own any bit of Josh Gordon. I have him at 29. So, Right. I'll tell you this. If Justin Blackman came, oh my came back tomorrow, he'd probably, he'd probably be on my team <laughs> too. So, Well, there you have it. Yeah, it's not – it's definitely the most illogical uh, rank I've got um, just because like <laughs> if my logical side of my brain wasn't there, Josh Gordon might be like wide receiver five. So yeah, I, I just love his talent. Um, I think it's going to help that he has more wide receiver help than he had when he, you know, right. 2013, gosh, that's, that's a long time ago. Uh, it, I think he's got a better quarterback if it's Taylor or Baker Mayfield, because um, that was Derek Anderson. What, Derek Anderson. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful with Josh Gordon, and I also realize if he gets a bad drug test again, he's out for probably forever. Year, so. Probably forever. Yeah. Um, I I do want to mention with Brandon Cooks, does it worry and. We've, we're already running long, so let's not take too long. But does it worry you guys at all that Brandon Cooks has been with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and now he's with no. Jared Goff? And here's why. I don't think okay. Goff is on the same level of those two guys at, at all. Yeah, That's it's old, old call, call. here's another Continue. one. Um, he also <laughs> has an incredibly smart offensive coach. Sean McVay knows exactly yeah. what he's <laughs> doing, and he knows how to get his talented players the ball in space. Cooks will be no different. He'll get the ball in space. He'll make plays. Right. I, I would agree with that, too. I just wanted to throw it out there. Because Cooks has had a pretty, like, being able to play with those two guys. I don't know if any wide receivers have ever been able to do that to start off their career. But um, we'll, we'll move on. We're, we're going a little long. So uh, our number two guy, or <laughs> number 22 guy, is Michael Crabtree with the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, what, what's his average draft? Yeah, right uh, now, we all have him in the early 20s. Um, he's being drafted as the wide receiver 29, and it's the eighth pick in the sixth round. I think, you know, similar to we talked about Emmanuel Sanders, I think that's pretty good talent for or uh, value for him. Um, he's not remarkably fast. He's not, you know, super impressive athletically. But the guy does get open. I mean, he runs inside really well. Um Whenever he was alongside Amari Cooper, he would oftentimes look like the number one receiver, even though they would keep telling us that was not the case. Um, I think that he's very solid, very stable. 
And I'll quickly just say there are two scenarios that could happen in which he could have a really, really productive year. One is if Joe Flacco decides that he wants to be motivated for another contract and actually plays a competent quarterback this year, or if Lamar Jackson wins the job outright and starts running and gunning and flinging and dominating, um, Michael Crabtree is the guy who could definitely benefit from that. Yeah, I like Michael Crabtree. I think, Stephen, he reminds me a lot. It just seems like the production, like Anquan Bolden. Okay. And uh, this seems like everybody tries to pick over him, and then all of a sudden he just surprises everybody. Uh, from what I'm hearing right now in Baltimore, Joe Flacco better be their guy. Um, so, but I think. He could have some real production there in Baltimore. Right. Sorry, I I got a little sidetracked there. I just had something come across my iPad. It says, Josh Gordon has landed on the IR, did not report list, while he goes through a health and treatment plan due to his anxiety. His status for week one against the Steelers has yet to be established. So you, you want to just go ahead and bump him down your ranks now? or? Uh, yeah, I will. I mean – we already got our wide receiver show set, but I'll, he's definitely going down now. Just uh, okay. So uh, here comes Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Michael Crab. <laughs> what I like for Michael Crabtree is that he's in a pass happy offense. What I don't like is that Joe Flacco's his quarterback. Um, it, it's kind of like the Jeremy Macklin or uh, situation when when he came in you know, from the Chiefs, and everybody was kind of excited about him. Uh, but he underwhelmed. But I think Crabtree will be a little – I think he's a more talented guy at this point in his career than Macklin was when he went to the Ravens. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. It's – I've always – I've liked Michael Crabtree since Texas Tech. Um, but I – He's always in the NFL. He's never kind of lived up to where I thought he would be, even though he's been a good wide receiver, if that makes sense. Like, I always thought he was going to be better than he actually is. That, that's fair. So, and, he's being drafted as a wide receiver three. I mean, I think he could definitely have wide receiver two production this year. So I think that's that's a pretty good value in round six. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that because um, – I, it feels it feels like he's going to give you wide receiver two value. Like I feel like he's got kind of a safe floor too, even though I'm I'm not super high on him. I don't. I think he's not going to give you wide receiver one value, but he's almost locked in for wide receiver two value, given you know health and all that. So, so we'll we'll go ahead and move on to our final guy, who's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's our number 23 wideout, and he's going to be our final guy because we already discussed Sanders, who's our number 24. Right. So, so Steve. Juju yeah, well, Schuster, 6'1", 215, the exact same height and weight as Michael Crabtree. Ha <laughs> um, Now, <laughs> I'll go over our ranks individually first. I have him at 26, John at 28. Frank will let you lead off because you have him at 14, but he's being drafted as the wide receiver 19. In the fourth round, pick number eight. So, Frank, what do you love about Juju? I love this guy. <laughs> Man, I think he could 
could be a fantasy star this year. Martavis Bryant out the door. Ben, you know how much they love to throw the rock. I think Juju, guys, uh, I've listened to several podcasts. I've heard nothing but glowing remarks about his talent, his skill level, and how they're going to um, use him in their offense. And then you've got, as the third wide receiver, Washington, the guy they drafted out of Oklahoma State. So I love this guy. Don't be surprised if I kind of may like to put him on some of my drafts this year. Um, but I think he's got – he is in store for a big year. Um, I just really like him, and I love their offense. Yeah, looking at, at Juju, I, I do like his talent for sure. I mean, you compare him athletically to Crabtree because they are the same size. He's just so much faster, just so much faster, so much more elusive, really dangerous after the catch. I mean, he was even returning kicks for him last year, right, which is kind of rare for a guy his size, but he was good at it. So I think he's a little – he's being drafted a little bit high for me, a little bit rich for my blood. I mean, in that fourth round, you're looking at guys like Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Alshon Jeffrey, Demarius Thomas, Golden Tate, even Amari Cooper. I think I would take probably all of those guys over him. Um just because I think their floors are probably higher, except for maybe Cooper. Um, Juju is a great talent, but he's clearly not their number one. Uh, Antonio Brown is the number one. So I, I don't know. It just seems like it's difficult for an offense to support potentially the number one running back, number one wide receiver, and then also a high-end wide receiver, too, beyond that. Um, unless you're really buying into Big Ben this year. I love his talent, and if I'm in a dynasty league, he probably is the guy I'm targeting. But as far as redraft, I think this year I'll kind of set and observe one more season and just see how it rolls. Guys, I want you to know this. This team could average at least 40 points a game. Remember that. They're going to put up the points. That's a lot of points. Yep. Yeah, I feel like we say that every year, though. And they put them up. And they when you got stars like they've got, man, how do you not make the Super Bowl? They have a good offensive line, too. <laughs> right. So, so how many points per game did they averaged last year? Does anybody have that? I don't, but if you can talk for a second, I can look. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Um, so, Stephen kind of articulated everything I wanted to say about Juju. Uh, he's the clear wide receiver number two. I, I actually kind of like James Washington. I think he's better than Martavis, or potentially. Um, so I I don't know if that helps Juju or. Yeah, with rookie with, with rookie wide receivers, <laughs> even the ones you hit, yeah. sometimes they are a candidate for regression. Uh, to answer the question from a moment ago, um, they averaged twenty five point four points per game last year, good for eighth. So that's already high-end, number eight. So for them to jump to 40 seems like a bit much. That's two extra touchdowns a game. I do like the offense, and I really do like Juju's talent. I just feel like he's getting drafted a bit too high uh, bit too high for me. Yeah, feels like they'll have a similar offense to what they did last year, which means Juju can be a wide receiver too. You know, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. at all. 
it just seems for him to be a wide receiver one would be nuts. But yeah, you kind of took all my notes, <laughs> Juju. So, my pleasure. So. Yeah, I mean, he was highly productive. I mean, he didn't even – he wasn't getting a lot of targets early in the season, but still finished with 917 yards and seven TDs. I mean, he's he's a big play guy, and he can also do the short routes too. I mean, I like him a lot. Um, Long term, I think he's, he's going to have a really nice career. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like people are grabbing a little bit too early, maybe a little bit too excited for him at 19. I have him at 26, so, I mean, if I had him as my two – I guess I'd live with it, but there's just so many good options in that fourth round. Allen Robinson, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind it, um, but I'm just not super, super high on Smith-Uster this year, which, you know, those are all things that you've said. Right. (laughs) We'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I I think we've pretty much hit on Juju. Uh, so that that's going to do it for today's Fantasy Junkies. Yeah. So our next episode is going to be the last of our wide receiver ranks, so 25 through 36, and then we'll throw in a few, like, late round sleepers, stuff like that. But um, And then the only other rank show we'll have is our tight end ranks after that. So we're getting – we're closing up our Yeah, they shows. only get one show tight ends. That's all they're worth. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about combining that with another show just because – we, I think we can cover it in 10 minutes, but we'll, we'll do we'll a whole show. We'll just wax but. poetic about Trey Burton for a while. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, uh, as always, you guys remember to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Junk and to send us an email at thefantasyjunkies at gmail.com. This has been the Fantasy Junkies. Thank you guys for listening.